Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Please open your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. All of us have a story, a 3D story. Let me give you the three dimensions that I know that are a part of your story, everyone in the sound of my voice. First of all, all of us have a past. Things that have, things that we've walked through that have helped to shape the person that we are today. Now, I don't know what most of your past is, but here's what I'm very confident of. I'm pretty confident that your past has both highs and lows, joys and sorrows, defeats and victories. Here's the second dimension of your life that I know is true, that we all have a present. We all have a present. Variety of circumstances make up your present. They're different, unique to you. And we don't know what each other's circumstances are, all the details of those, but here's what I'm pretty confident of, that you're facing some challenges right now. That in your life, in the midst of your circumstances, in the present, you're facing some challenges. And then here's the third dimension that I know is true of your life and mine is that we all have a future. We all have a future that we are unaware of the details, but God is not. And if you're a follower of Christ, here's what I know about your future, that God is working all things for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So today what we're going to do is we're going to take a story from the Bible, from the Old Testament, one of my favorite stories. I haven't, uh, I haven't preached on this story for about seven or eight years. I'm excited to, to do that this morning. It's a story about a group of people who had all of those three dimensions in their life. They had a past, a past that had joys and sorrows, highs and lows, defeats and victories, they had a present, and in the present, they were facing some difficult circumstances. And then thirdly, they all had a future. And God's plan for their future, even if they didn't know it, was a good plan. And what he does in this story is that God brings an individual into the story to help teach some lessons about these three dimensions of life both for them in that day, and here's what is true about the Bible, that it's also going to be words from God that are going to speak right to your story, right where you're at, related to your three dimensions of life. It's a timely and a timeless message. That's what the Word of God can do every time if you'll look into it and study it. It is like a letter written from God whose ink is wet on the page crafted for you. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
let me just give you the setup for this story. We don't have time to read the entire chapter. It's a pretty lengthy chapter. So I'm just going to kind of fill you in on the setup, and then we'll jump in in the middle of the chapter. A man by the name of Jesse. Jesse has a number of sons, and those sons, the older sons, are all out at the battlefield. They're a part of the nation of Israel, and Israel is lined up for battle, and the opposing force is the Philistines, their dreaded arch enemy. The elder brothers are at the war, and Jesse's youngest son, the younger brother, he is tending the flocks. His name is David. And one day Jesse says to David, David, here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather up some supplies some food and supplies for your brother, and I want you to go to the battle line in the valley of Elah where they are meeting, and I want you to take supplies to them and find out how things are going there and bring back word to me. And so young David gathers up his supplies and he heads to the valley of Elah. And as he arrives there, turns his supplies over to the keeper of supplies, and then he goes out to the battle line to find his bigger brothers who are in the army. And as he does that, out from the ranks of the Philistines steps a man, a giant of a man. Let me just read a few verses from 1 Samuel 17, 4 through 7, just to paint a picture in your mind about what is taking place here. Philistines on one side of the valley of Elah, Israelites, God's chosen people on the other side, and out from the ranks of the enemy steps this man. Verse 4, And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he wore armored and he, <clears throat> he had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5000 shekels of bronze and he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders and the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him. Let me just translate some of the numbers and figures and words there. Out from the ranks of the Philistines stepped a warrior who was about 10 feet tall. It's not a fable. This is a real story. This is a real event in history. A man from Gath who was the champion of the Philistines, their greatest warrior, and he was covered from head to foot with bronze armor. And he carried a spear like a beam, and the point of the spear, here's the meaning of the words there in Hebrew, the point of the spear weighed 20 pounds. Pick up a beam with a 20-pound iron point and try to launch it. His armor weighed 272 pounds, the armor that he wore. And he had an armor bearer that went ahead of him in battle, holding up his shield. 
and out steps this giant. And what the giant does, what Goliath does, is he begins to defy and mock Israel. He begins to defy and mock Israel's God. And he's doing that just at the moment that David shows up at the battle line. He's kind of making his way, if you just picture this, he's making his way through the warriors, this young boy David looking for his brothers. And as he finds his brothers, outsteps Goliath and begins to defy Israel. And he makes a challenge that goes like this. Why don't you just send me your best man, Israel? Send me your best man. And he and I will do battle. And if he defeats me, we will become your servants. And if I defeat him, you will become subjugated to us. What the scripture tells us is that this same scene had been repeated for 40 days, twice a day, morning and evening. Goliath would step out. He would make his challenge. And what it says in Scripture is that when he stepped out and made the challenge, the Israelites would run in fear. Pretty impressive, intimidating opponent. But here comes the young man, David. Red-haired, dressed in his tunic like a maybe equivalent to a shorts and a t-shirt and a pair of sandals. And he hears this giant defy the armies of Israel. And listen to what he says. Let's pick it up in verse 26 of the 17th chapter. And here is what David is going to do here. Here's the first lesson in the first dimension of life. David is going to confront Goliath and he's going to do that based upon something from Israel's past. He is going to give Israel and us a lesson from the past. Verse 26, And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Listen to this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now let me just reach into that and add some color to that. What David is saying here is he saying something based upon the history of Israel. He's saying something based upon something that he knows about Israel because of Israel's past. He knows that Israel is God's and that the army of Israel is the army of God. And here he says this giant is defying the armies of the living God. Now, you say, Brad, what? Why do you say that? Why is this something connected to Israel's past? Well, what did David know about Israel's past? I'll just give you a few little highlights. There are so many that we could give. 
First of all, David knew that God had used Moses and a stick, his staff, to decimate, defeat the most powerful nation on the earth, the Egyptians, whom they were enslaved to. David knew that God had used Moses and his stick to part a Red Sea when they had no way through to part it so that they could walk through on dry land. And when the Egyptians, in pursuit of them, bent on blood, entered into that parted Red Sea, that same Moses and his stick was used to close the waters and destroy the Egyptian army. David knew that God had used three men with funny-sounding names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, men who had defied the king of the day and refused to worship the idol that they had been commanded to worship because they would not worship anyone but God. And so that king in his anger had demanded that the furnace be heated to an inferno and them thrown into it. And what David knew was that God had turned that inferno into a sauna so that they could walk around in there and enjoy themselves with God as their company. You see, there are story after story after story in the nation of Israel that David had knew, had known so that he could stand there with a realization, a perspective from the past. And he could stand there based upon this truth. Let me give it to you in a short statement. Here it is. The key truth we can learn from David about the past is this. God is for us. God is for us. He had shown that truth time and time and time again to the nation of Israel when the odds were absolutely outlandish against them. God had stepped in and shown that God was for them. And you say, no, Brad, great. What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with us here as followers of Christ in the 21st century? You see, David made a key statement about God here. If you mark in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to circle this word in that verse. He said that Goliath defied the armies of the living, the living God. The God that is still alive today. So let me ask you this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, how can you take a lesson from David here when you face difficult things, giants in your life? What can you learn here from the past that would cause you to say like David, God is for me? Is there anything that you can look to in your past that would definitively answer that question? Let me just give you the greatest, the greatest illustration related to that truth. Romans 8, 31 and 32. Here's what Paul said 
when he wrote Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Do you see what Paul is doing here? He's doing the same thing that David did. He is standing in the present, looking back to the past, and he is saying this. You can know for sure that God is for you. How? You look back to that hill outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago for us, 2,000 years ago to that tree on which Jesus Christ, the Son of God, hung out to die. And here's what you can know. You can know that God is for you. The greatest testimony to that fact is Christ hanging on a cross, proving that God is for you. Far greater than the examples that David could look to in the history of Israel. You can look to in the history 2,000 years ago, if you're a follower of Christ and say, I know that Jesus Christ, the very Son of the living God, the second member of the triune Godhead, hung on that cross and died for me, that proves to me every moment of every day that God is for me. Lesson from the past. How much greater of a lesson than the people of the Old Testament had. You see, for Israel, God defeated Pharaoh to set them free from Egyptian slavery. For you and me, God defeated the devil and sin and death to set us free eternally to be with Him. Moses and the Israelites, for them, God parted the Red Sea and made a path for them to safety. For you and me, God tore the veil in two from top to bottom that represented our sin and what kept us from Him and built a bridge from earth to heaven so that we could be united with Him forever through the death and resurrection of His Son. Here's what you can know by looking back in history past to the cross. You can know that God is for you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now what should we do with that truth? What should we do with that truth? You see, David took the truth that he knew about the past, God is for us, and he acted upon the truth. That's always what God wants us to do with truth. This is not just a neat, entertaining story from history. God wants you to understand that He's trying to say something to you and me today as followers of Christ. And what He's wanting to say to us is that He is for us so that we should then take action upon that truth, the same action that David took. And what did David do? Here's what David did. Knowing that God was for him, David rose up. David rose up. Goliath came out, made his challenge, defied Israel and God, and David rose up. Something rose up in David, and he said, Wait a minute. Who in the world is this loud mouthed, belligerent, 
giant think he's talking to. He's talking ultimately to God. And I'm rising up. I'm not going to stand for what I'm hearing here. You see, what God wants you and I to do as we settle into the incredible realization that the God of history, the God of eternity, the God who is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, was all power, that God that He's for you should cause you and I to rise up and say, when we see things around us, that are not as they should be when we face things that come against us, to rise up and say, I'm not just waffling here. I'm not just folding and giving up. Why? Because God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? So if God is for us, and we know that, we should rise up. Would you say that with me, church? Rise up. Ready, go. Rise up. No, no, no. Not rise up. (laughs) Rise up. Let's say that again. One, two, three. Rise up. That's what you should be doing. When you realize who is for you, rise up ready to face whatever challenge, whatever difficulty, whatever giant comes your way in life because you have the one who is on your side that makes you the majority every time. Let's go to the second segment, the present. David here wants to teach us, or God through David wants to teach us a truth about the present, not just a truth about the past. Here's what happens. The word starts to circulate in the warriors as David rises up and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is this loudmouthed giant? I'm going to shut him up. Word gets back to King Saul, the king of the Israelites. Saul calls for David, I was wondering who in the world this warrior is. I mean, everybody's running in fear. Here's, I'm hearing this reports about this guy that's just saying, let me at him, let me at him. So he calls David in, and he looks, and here's a boy. And here's what David said to him. Verse 32, 1 Samuel 17, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And David's response is something like this. If you went and fought him, it would be suicide. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. Look at you. Look at him. I mean, you're a boy. He's been a fighting man and is a champion. has been so from his youth. And here he is, a seasoned warrior. And David replies in verse 37. Listen to this. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. You see, when David took that look back into history and he saw the reality about the present from the past, here's what David saw. Here's what David saw. He saw 
that the Lord who did in the past is the Lord who will in the present. The Lord who did is the Lord. Did you hear him saying that to Saul? The same God that helped me defeat the lion and the bear when they came to attack the sheep that I was guarding, that same God that allowed me to grab that lion by the scruff of the neck and club him over the head and kill him, that same God that helped me do that is the same God that's going to help me on the battlefield today, this day, put the hurt on this foul mouth giant. The God who did is the God who will. Do you see the difference between Saul's understanding and conviction and David's? Here's what Saul said to David when he made this confident statement about what God would do through him. Saul said, the Lord be with you. You see, Saul had seen God do incredible things as well for the nation of Israel. But here's what Saul is saying. Let me just paraphrase it for you. Saul was saying, God's up to the challenge. He certainly is able, and I sure hope he does. David was saying something different. David not only knew that God could do it, David knew that God was going to do it. That he would do it. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread for them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You see, we should be gripped by the same conviction that David was gripped by. We should understand something about the present just like David understood about the present when he stood before Saul and said, God's going to do this. God's going to do this. What was David saying here? Here's what he's saying. Short statement, like the first, he was saying, God is with us. Not just God is for us, but the next step, God is with us. And as we step into the present, we're going to do so. I'm going to do so in the power of God. So it's already as good as done. David took a perspective from the past. Things that had proven to him that God was for the Israelites. And he allowed that to motivate him to rise up. And then he took the next logical step and said, that's the same living God who is alive today, who did that in the past. He's going to do it today. God right now is with us. He's not just for us. He's with us. He's with me. Followers of Christ, what? has God done in your life that has proven that He is with you? I'm just going to give you a few things in the life of this church, kind of corporately. 
Some of these are going to predate almost all of you and then some will be fairly recent. These are giants that God has killed in the life of this church because he was with us. A church of about 100 people. We raised $100,000 in one week. $100,000 in one week. And with that money, we bought out FDIC who had acquired our loan in the difficult financial times up here in the mid-80s. We bought them out at 60 cents on the dollar and put that 100000 that we had raised toward what we owed and overnight a mortgage of about a million went to 400000 in one week. A giant of debt fell. Church has grown the last 14 years from about 70 to over 600 in a transient culture. We, many years ago, we were a congregationally led church. We voted about most things as a body. Only problem is it's not biblical. I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers, but it's not biblical. There's supposed to be elders who lead. And so God took me and my own convictions in a study of the Word through an understanding of biblical eldership and then took the board of directors at that time through that and then we presented that to the church over a number of weeks and we came into an annual meeting. This is a giant, folks. Came into an annual meeting and a congregationally led church voted 100% in an annual meeting to do away with the vote and turn over the leadership to an eldership. That is incredible. We have seen here over the years in this church God defeat the giant of cancer and some have been prayed for. We've seen God defeat the giant of a barren womb and ladies that could not have children and we could just share several miracles that we've seen God perform proving that He's with us. God has opened up the doors for us to plant. Max, how many churches have we helped build in Guatemala now? 31. We've helped build, provide funds for, or helped in some labor on helping to build 31 churches in Guatemala through a ministry that we got connected to there through Max many years ago. In a few weeks... In a few weeks, we're going to tackle another giant. There's always a need for leadership development, particularly in the area of those who are wanting to pursue the call of God upon their life to full-time ministry, but not just that, just generally speaking, developing our leaders. And I've had it in my heart, not from me, totally not from me, from God many, many years ago in 1996 that this church would have an institute of biblical and practical education where those who are sensing the call of God could be equipped to pursue that calling. 
And here in the near future, the very near future, we're going to kick off a institute right here where you can get undergraduate college courses or graduate level college courses, get your degree right here through in biblical studies that is fully accredited right out of our church here so that our leaders can take these courses that would like to do that or anyone in our church that just wants to increase their depth of understanding of the Word of God, take them at an audit course level or you can take them at an undergrad or graduate level for a master's of theology if you'd like to do that. That's a giant that's going to fall here. We're about to plant a church first part of the year here. That vision has been in my heart as well since 1996. And he's going to accomplish that. We have a team gathered and are being trained and getting set to launch. Those are things that we can't do, but God can do. And he does because he's with us. He's for us and he's with us. First Samuel 17:40. Then David took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Folks, while everyone else was running away in the Israelite army, including his older, bigger, tougher brothers, David was stepping out. See, Goliath towered at 10 foot. David was a boy, but he stepped out. Goliath was clad in armor from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. David in a tunic, a linen tunic, but he stepped out. Goliath had his armor bearer running in front of him to protect him. David had his God, and he stepped out. You see, the action step that we should take as we learn the lesson from the life of David here and his battle with Goliath, the action step that we should take from the truth that God is with us is that we should step out. Would you say that with me? One, two, three. Step out. If God is with us, we should step out. We should realize that in the present, whatever we're facing with us in God, it is not a match. If we are truly doing what God wants us to do, then victory is assured. What are your challenges? I don't know what your giants are. Let me just give you a few examples. Maybe you have a marriage on the brink of disaster. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, God is with you. Step out and fight to save it. Don't just cave and waffle and say, oh, it's all over. No, step out. Remember your past. Remember what God has done for you to prove that He's for you. And remember that He has done things in your life to prove that He's with you. And so, rise up and step out. You have a financial statement that's all in red ink. 
God is with you. Step out and work to change it. You have an estranged child far from the Lord that breaks your heart day in and day out. Listen, God is with you. And he loves that child more than you love that child. So step out and don't give up. Keep reaching out. Keep crying out to God and asking Him to change their heart and draw them to Himself. Do you have a vision for something that you want to do for God? But it's just beyond your abilities or beyond your resources or beyond your network and your connections. God is with you. God is with you as a follower of Christ. Maybe he's just inviting you into the adventure and saying, hey, step out. Step out. Let's do this together. Let me show you that I'm not just the God of yesterday who defeated giants. I'm the God of today who defeats giants. That I'm giving new examples of my glory day in and day out. Why? Because I'm the living God. I haven't changed from that day to this day. I'm still the same God who is there with David. Same God who is with you. Now let me go to the final dimension Vision for the future. First Samuel seventeen forty five and 46. You see, David is so confident in what God is going to do that he runs to the battle line. And when he gets there, he casts a descriptive vision. He paints a picture for Goliath on what he's going to do. Listen. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Here comes the vision. It's a cool vision. Guys, this is a cool vision right here. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Do you hear what David is saying there? David is saying, the Lord and I are going to strike you down. I'm going to sever your head from your body and I'm going to set a banquet table for the birds of the air and the wild beasts and I'm going to cut several choice steaks off of your carcass, Goliath, and I'm going to feed the beasts your carcass. That's what he's saying. That is so cool. That is so cool. I mean, he is so confident that he is going to defeat what looks like an unbeatable battle. Here's the truth that I want to draw out there about the future. That we can learn from David, and it's this. God will use us. God will use us. John chapter 14, verse 12 
Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Operative word here, whoever. That's a blank check. That's saying, you're a follower of Christ, you have the power given to you from above to do incredible, awesome things, to defeat some giants, whatever they are. Not faith that just that Jesus can do it, faith that he's going to do it through you. That's what David knew about his future because he knew something about the past. God was for him. It caused him to rise up because he knew something about the present that God was with him. It caused him to step out and because he knew something about the future that God would use him. Here's what it caused him to do. It caused him to aim high. Aim high. Listen. First Samuel 17, 48 and 49, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. That's high. He had to aim high, right? The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. You see what? David was doing, folks, he was aiming for God's glory. That's why he was fighting that battle. Because this man was defying God. And he said, I'm not going to let him defy God. I'm going to stand up for the glory of God. Now, metaphorically speaking, you and I need to aim high in the battles that we fight. Not aim at what we think we can do. Aim at what God can do. We shouldn't be asking what can we do, but what God can do. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, it's all about the glory of God coming through the church. How? When God does all and more that we can think or imagine. So what does God want us to do for Him? Believing that He'll use us. He wants us to try to do what only He can do. Not just what we can do. He wants us to aim high so that He receives the glory for it. God is for you. Rise up. God is with you. Step out. God will use you. Aim high. Follower of Christ, what are you facing today? I don't know what your giants are, your challenges are, but I do know this. God is for you, God is with you, and God will use you. Will you be used for His glory? Please stand. Worship team, would you come? We're just going to close in prayer here. Always, if you want someone to pray for you, you come to one of these altars and some of our leaders will do that. Uh, just go there and somebody will come and put a hand on you and just pray for the power of God to be released in your life, whatever you need. encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for this young man that didn't see what everybody else saw. When everybody else was looking at themselves compared to a giant, 
David, the boy, was looking at the giant compared to God, and he said, simple battle. The Lord always wins. I pray that you'd help us to see the perspective that David saw from and that the truth that you're for us and with us and will use us would burn into our souls, causing us to rise up and step out and aim high as we serve you and your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.